Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll... what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Ladies and gentlemen, it is summertime finally here in Pennsylvania, and we are looking forward to that November 2nd cold front where you're in a tree stand early in the morning and that buck of a lifetime walks out in front of you. Well, what are you going to do next? You have to draw your bow. You have to make the perfect shot. You have to send that arrow right through the vitals. But what if your bow's not tuned? What if you haven't been shooting all year? What if you haven't headed down to Williams Archery yet and got your bow tuned and got it shooting right so you can make that shot on November 2nd on a buck of a lifetime? I call that foolish, my friends, because you need to get down to see Ron and Linda Williams at Williams Archery. You need to get in there. You need to get your bow tuned up. You need to get those hands-on lessons. That's what it's going to take, guys. If you want to kill that buck of a lifetime, don't sit on your couch and say, hey, I want to kill big buck. You need to get out and get your bow ready to kill that big buck. You need to go pick up the accessories that you need to kill that big buck. Where do you do it? Williams Archery, of course. I mean, it's the only place around here that I go to. It's my hometown. You know, Edinburgh, PA, that's just down the street from me. I grew up here. That's where I want to be when I have to depend on my bow to kill the buck of a lifetime. So give Ron and Linda Williams a call at 724-667-9660 and let them take care of you. Welcome to episode 50 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the Rack Shack, because this is episode 50, and it's, you know, it's episode 50, people. Charles Headland, how you doing, buddy? It's episode 50. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. You ever think we'd make it to 50? Yeah. I did, too. Yeah, I, I did. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I'm looking right into 100 now. Yeah. We're through 50. I can see 100. It's right here. Yeah. We're going to have it at 100 by next week. Yeah. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, we put 50 episodes up, 
you know, probably cumulative, what, like 60 hours into the podcast. 60 hours? What do you think? You're high if you think it's 60 hours. You think it's more? Oh, definitely, dude. Well, how many, I mean, 50 episodes. On average, just on recording, average. we're out here for two and a half, three hours. No, no, I mean actual record. How, like, how many record oh, minutes? how many record you know minutes? I mean? Yeah, probably, probably around 60. I can find Maybe out. a little more. We're probably at like an hour and a half-ish. Yeah. So, you know, around 70 hours. I'm thinking, I worked that many hours in a week. It took us over a year to do in a podcast. We're slackers. Oh, dude, all I'm saying is between <laughs> editing, recording, and putting this whole thing together, it's like a freaking part-time job, honestly. It's a little bit of work. It is, it is, no but I love it. No doubt about it. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do it any other way. I love it. I'm so excited for this episode, too. Yeah, and it's almost deer season, man. Yes, man. I cannot wait. What's the countdown? Dun, dun, dun. Nine days. Nine days. Till 2B opens up. Till 2B, which I'm excited. I We're going to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, go. I'm going to go a lot after work. Yeah, you should. If I can get days where I can get off in a normal hour, which I'm getting closer and closer to that goal every day. Word. I'm going to head straight to the straight to the hunting spot and climb up a tree somewhere. I like it. Public land. Yeah. I'm not going to be burning out any good spots in no, September. I don't you. Yeah. You know, when our season comes in October 5th. Oh. I don't know. I almost forgot to tell you. I was out running errands earlier. I saw a freaking toad. Brooke was with me. She saw him too. Right, standing right next to the road eating apples. Really? Freaking big old hard horned buck, dude. Hard horned? Hard horned. Probably 130 inch deer right next to the road. Jeez. I saw him plain as day. I was 15 feet away from him. It was insane. I saw a couple doe the other day. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was a turd, dude. Like, I want to, I wanted so badly to stop and knock on the door, but I was like, I'm going to scare this fuck by walking yeah. up to this person's door right now. Well, I know I have a plan over maybe the last week until the season comes out here around us. Um, I might go up to the farm property and, uh, one, I do, well, I'm, I'm not going to move my stand, but I do need to move a stand. I'm thinking go out there like we did last year. Mm hmm. Hang out, drink a couple beer with some binos and see what's coming out. We only did it one night last year. It's a little bit of a drive, but it's not too terrible. We can do it easy. I've been working with Sam. We've been trying to acquire some Ohio um, hunting property as well. That'd be decent. He got shut down. He did obtain some fishing property in Ohio. Sweet. But he got shut down on 400 acres today. Mm. So I sent him another property that is right, literally, it's on both PA and Ohio. He owns both sides. It's big, and it's. He said that he somehow he got information that they kicked everyone off the property in 2013, mm-hmm. I guess, because people were taking advantage of the program. I, I guess they were, must have been open to a hunter's access program, probably. And they kicked them all off and shut it down because of, of how people were. So that might be a little harder one to obtain. You might have to talk them in on that one. But yeah, just bring him a gift certificate. Be like, hello, <laughs> here I got you something. <laughs> But, I mean, that's it, man. I've uh, seen some deer around on the roads and stuff, and, you know, it's it's duck. It's waterfowl season here in PA. It is. It I is. haven't gotten out yet. I haven't either. You know, Lane promised me that he'd take me out, and then he went and had a kid. <laughs> what a selfish <laughs> man. What do you have, a second day season? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I think he was the day after the opener. It was like Sunday. <laughs> Lane, we love you. We're Lane, just kidding, you're brother. selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful baby girl. Beautiful baby girl. So happy for him and Dana. Yeah. Good for them. You're they're, the lady, they're, Dana. They're two great people. They really are. I um, really enjoy them. Yeah, so good for them. Congratulations. And you know what else? Hmm. Did you see tonight? Our boy Clint Casper? I didn't see anything. He posted a little sneak peek. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. He yes. posted a sneak peek with his hands on some fuzz. Yes, he did, tonight. sir. He did. 
It looks like he got it done out in Colorado. Yes, sir, man. You know, I'm going to Colorado next month. I did hear that. October 16th and 17th. Already booked my flight. Going to Denver. Going to Denver. Get an omelet wire there for me. What? Denver omelet, dude. Dude, I have no idea anything about Denver. Like, I, I, I said it on here. I've never been out farther west. I'll tell you a little bit about it. I've yeah. been there many times. Been, well, I lied. I've never been out farther west hunting than Illinois, but I've been to, like, Vegas and stuff. There you go. See? Yeah, you liar. I did lie. I lied right here to everyone listening. Yeah, Sorry, all guys. All good. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see Denver. Never, yeah, it's you know, cool. You've never been to Colorado. You're going to dig it. Oh, it's going to be so cool. I know you're going to dig it. I'm never going to sleep. I'm going to drive all night and just scout for elk. Go to Estes, dude. Estes. If you have a freaking chance, like half a day, drive up to Estes Park. I don't have... Well, you know, I'm going up there in the morning on the 16th. Yeah. We'll probably have meetings till 5 o'clock. Yeah. I got the whole evening. Might go out to dinner with them probably, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah. But I mean, I got the whole evening to go drive around and see stuff. Sweet, man. And then the next day, we're only a half a day and then I'm flying back home. I dig it. I dig it. So it's going to be fun, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. You know what else I'm looking forward to? What's that? Our guest. I'm looking forward to our guest. Oh, who is it? Our episode today is return guest. Return guest. 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 This, 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 this. Matt and Cindy Futere from VIP Veteran Innovative Products. I love those guys. They are the best They are. Matt, with, with. Just They're, picking on Cindy and yes, Cindy with the one-liners. I love it. They are good people, man. He just, he blows my mind every time I talk to him. I had him out today, the, uh, the old VIPs. There you go. Put him on the bow. I got a problem, buddy. Oh. Remember how I always talk about how short my arrows are? Yep. They're too short. Oh, not mine are fine. Because it sticks back. The, the blades kind of come back a little yes, bit. Yes, they do. So they're just touching my rest my drop away rest sounds like you're getting new arrows i'm getting new arrows <laughs> which i wanted to do anyways yeah because i wanted to i wanted to switch to a heavier arrow mm-hmm. um and that was actually advice that matt gave me when i talked to him on the phone the very first time right you know he said get rid of the arrows you're using get a little heavier arrow a little stiffer shaft and you know you'll start seeing better penetration yeah so, definitely i'm not upset about it i was thinking about the micro diameters mm-hmm. they're so pricey Man, they are nice, but they oh, are I agree. pricey. Those gold tips, micro diameter gold tips are sick. I dig it. Uh, anyways, we've been talking there for a little while, but we haven't got to catch up. You know, you've been working a lot. I've been working a lot. Yep. So we haven't got to catch up. This is all some real catch up talk. Yeah, man. I like it. You know, I like catch up. I like <laughs> and I I'm like a Heinz guy. <laughs> you, you know, know you I do like, like ranch. ranch. You're a ranch dressing expert. <laughs> I get made fun of at work now, too. It's like, it's a thing. It's all good. Shout I'm out to my to boy it. Chase Prince for sending all the freaking <laughs> Barstool Sports <laughs> memes all the time. <laughs> Chase is the man. <laughs> oh, So oh. hopefully you'll see Chase rocking one of our hats here soon as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, let's no longer uh, keep our peoples from the guests. Yeah, let's get them on the phone. Let's go. All right, guys, on the phone with us today, episode 50, the big 5-0, what we've been waiting for all along, and we've been pumping this episode up. We have return guest Matt Futere from Texas and Cindy on the line as well with her one punch lines from the last episode. If you listen back to episode number 32 back in April, you can listen to these guys then, but we brought them back on because we have some exciting things to talk about. So, Matt, are you there with us? Yep, I'm here. So is my better midget half, Cindy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's starting off in the doghouse already. (laughs) Yeah, because then then your only direction is up, right? 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. So we had you guys back on back in April, and man, I had a lot of fun with that show. And we were getting all hyped up for turkey, but now it's just before deer season, and we're getting all hyped up for deer season. And you know, one of the biggest reasons I'm hyped up is the package in front of me here that you know you graciously shared with us, and that's the veteran broadhead. And you know, that's what we want to kind of get into a lot with you here today. But uh, you Ooh. know, real quick, Matt, I guess. Let's see what what update do you have for us since the last time we talked? Has anything really progressed, or is there anything new? Yeah, yeah. First off, you've got a pack of broadheads in front of you. I think I sent you guys a bunch, right? A you sure did. Of you and then some extras. You sure did. All right, yeah. Well, I guess we can just put it right out there that you can, you know, at the end of this podcast, you can put on there that if these folks like, listen, and share your podcast. You can do, for everybody that shared it, you can go ahead and um, put their name on a random draw, do that random number generator, and pick out a winner, and then just give me the name and address of that winner, and I'll go ahead and ship them a free pack before the season starts so they can try the veteran as well. That is awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. We greatly appreciate you. it, Matt. You betcha. Yeah. So you guys are helping us get the word out, and uh, we, we've been having a little bit of fun conversation before this kickoff. So, <laughs> yeah, man. You know. We want to help you guys too. It's a, you know, you're part of the VIP family, so we want to help you grow just as well as we grow too. That's a beautiful thing, man. We want to promote you guys because we really, we really love your product. We love you guys. I mean, I think it's a great relationship, man. Yeah, it's hard not to believe in the two of you, you know, and, and get behind you and support everything that's, you know, something that means a lot to us is that it is, a, you know, veteran owned, veteran designed, and American made, you know, and that's right on your packaging, and that's something that, we feel strongly in, and that's something that we look forward to backing up. So we'll, we love that. Yeah, we're going to keep trying to get them in as many hands as possible for you. Yeah, well, you when you guys have opportunities to grow and generate some excitement or raise some money to help, you know, you guys upgrade your equipment or whatever, just give Cindy and I a call. We, we're, you know, we really like to take care of our VIP family members. We'll do what we can. You right. are the man, <laughs> and the uh, lady, and the lady. Yeah, she's... Give credit where credit is. <laughs> Cindy, you are his better half, so I'm told, so I'm giving you the credit. That's right. <laughs> yep, she gets the credit. I'm just the tinker master. She's the all-around, you know, crack the whip master. <laughs> <laughs> and you better get on your her good side, because she's the one filling yeah. orders. That's right. Yeah. That's right. As far as uh, the direction our company is going... We've been working with a, another veteran who has a game call company that just really couldn't, you know, they just, they want to make the, the transition to do it full time. They couldn't do it on their own. So we embrace our veteran brothers and sisters and try to lift, you know, we're, I'm an, I'm Navy. So I kind of have this mentality in my head that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so VIP is named veteran innovative products, not VIB, veteran innovative broadheads, because my vision was, I want to have a complete line of outdoor high quality products that are preferably veteran made, American made, and let's grow the company so we can be more of the one stop shop for our customer base that they know that if they buy our product, they are the highest quality and they will perform in the field because, you know, we, we've got our VIP logo on it. It's been proven and tested and, and it'll deliver. Um, so that's what we did. We've been working for about the last, what's in a year? with with this gentleman uh he's ex-navy as well so don't hold that against him but um 
but we we've got the full line done. You can go to our website veteranip.com and see them on there. And we're still we got a few more to put up and on there, but they're coming. Um, there's another gentleman. If you can't have a complete call line without some diaphragm calls in there too, so there's another gentleman, former military, uh, doing the same thing, making some beautiful diaphragm calls, but just can't quite in his local area. He's great. He goes to some trade shows and he sells a bunch of really good, but he just can't do the national thing. So guess what? Now we have our own line of VIP diaphragm calls made by another veteran, 100% American made. And we, we've got that in our portfolio as well. So we're, we, even though I may not be personally inventing or manufacturing those, they're still veteran designed, veteran made and American made. And they're just coming under the banner of VIP that allows us to rise the tide on lift their boats yeah. as well. A little better outreach for them. There's nothing wrong with that. You know. There's a lot of overhead involved in trying to run a company like this, especially when you're in stores like Walmart. There's a, then these folks, they just don't have the ability to, to do that. So why duplicate it when you can just come under, come under our banner right. and, um, and then everybody wins. So I dig that, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. wonderful. You're supporting veterans just like everybody in the U.S. should be supporting veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, just like it's, it's, um, it's fun when you can, you know, have somebody that didn't have that avenue of sales and that that marketing reach that goes global. It, it just by uh, you know, handshake and saying yes, let's do this, and it's it's nice and old school, you know. I like it. So last time we talked, Matt, you made a promise that you were going to try to go out and get some more hunting in this year because you've been working too darn hard. It's time to live a little bit and go out and get some get some hunting done. What where yeah. have you gone with that route? Have you? planned on hunting more this year or have you got anything you know lined well you up? know what you know what they say about that right man plans and god laughs that's right <laughs> so, I, I just you know without going into details since last december i've been fighting a reoccurring health issue and actually friday i finally get to go see a specialist and hopefully they're going to be able to just say yep we're going to go in there and cut that out and you're good to go but we'll see what he says but yes because i haven't been able to go hunting and i am kind of bound running the business we've forced the time management to allow me to get back to my engineering tablet and so for three and a half years i've been working on this but uh yeah uh we're we're going to be january debuting what i've been working and um, all i can say is we're going to start doing some critter killing well we're supposed to hopefully get one in friday we got the the next animal on the critter list is a scimitar horned oric Pretty good sized animal. Be a good test of a new broadhead and, you know, we're, we're going to develop some marketing footage, photographs and for the big reveal coming in January at the ATA show. So you might want to be at the ATA show. <laughs> Everybody better, uh, better tune in on Facebook and stuff like that when everything's getting, getting going with the ATA. You got to see this stuff. I'll, I'll tell you this. With everybody's broadheads that are on the market, and this is no knock on them, it's just the way engineering broadheads happens. People get in a cow path of engineering where they follow the same old, same old, and I've never been that guy, right? I've always done my own designs, new advancements or innovative thought. And this, you know, at the, even after I debuted the original guillotine or my Adam broadhead or the radiant, even the veteran, I always knew I can do better, right? There's always been a, path in my mind an engineering path that i knew i could follow 
to then improve upon it. And that's why you always hear me say, you know, broadhead engineering is an evolutionary process. If you don't go from A to B to C, you'll never get to F, you know, or, you know, you'll never get farther on without understanding what's in between that. And so the veteran opened up a line of thought in my brain. Where I was like, well, dang, I, I can do this better. And this new broadhead design, I got done and got it at exactly 100 grains, which I didn't think was going to be possible and still accomplish everything I wanted to do. And I realized for the first time in my 29 years of puttering on broadhead, I have no other path to follow on this. This is the pinnacle of what I consider I don't know where to go with this in this design configuration. There is no other path I can follow. This is it, best as I can do, and I don't see any area for improvement. And uh, the folks that I've, the very, very few folks that I've shown it to, they all confirm it with pretty much two words. It's either genius or flawless. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is exciting, man. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I'm, I've never been this excited about a broadhead in my life. Even the wow factor of the guillotine, I was like, yeah, I know. I knew going into it, there would be a large component of people that were just like, it's a gimmick. It can't do blah, blah. You know, the old negative Nancys. There's a bunch of them. But with this one, man, I challenge you to find a weak link in this design. <laughs> I you like know, that, man. I like the confidence, too. Well, not only yeah. that, but you're talking, yeah. you know, improving a broadhead that already has some of the best lethality percentages of any broadhead out there and you're talking about improving it yep. and you got to think you know someone listening is like wow how do you you know a lot of people might be thinking how do you get any better than the veteran you know yeah. because it is i mean it looks flawless to someone without maybe the creative design mind of your own and engineering mind of your own who's always looking to improve and get better but this yeah. you know the, even the veteran itself it, it's an absolute phenomenal design broadhead and built broadhead to last and just a downright kill you know yeah. and i'm excited to see what you come up with better than that because uh, you yeah. know it's it's going to be something special yeah we did a lot of firsts with the veteran broadhead and um it, it you know the the first thing was nobody ever everybody always said all these experts all they do is talk about there will never be a broadhead that goes through heavy bone as good as a single bevel one piece solid steel broadhead or two piece you know if they have a body and a separate blade that they hold in with screws they they said there would be no better broadhead than a single bevel design to breach bone well the veteran proved him wrong in an instant one shot in a millisecond it goes through no damage steel hair shaving sharp let's shoot another bone with it and another bone we actually will our edge retention on the majority of broadheads that are sold is better than a lot of them that are out there yet we're a mechanical, aluminum-bodied mechanical. And so we shattered that myth. The next myth was, for three years now, we've had customers that shoot recurves and longbows shooting our 100-grain veteran with, like, um, ethics archery components behind it to get higher front weight, you know, in extreme front of center, get the mass up to drive off their recurves and longbows to get that penetration at that slower velocity, you know, 150 feet to 225 feet per second kind of a range and uh but because they were bucking the basically kind of like the traditional crowd and beliefs and you do not ever shoot a mechanical broadhead off of uh traditional equipment belief well it was it was rightly so because of the design inefficiencies of how mechanical broadheads operated you you had to have higher momentum energy to you know to 
penetrate because they take so much out of the penetrating distance potential just to get their mechanics open and working. We solved that with the veteran. And then we added something that nobody else could imagine, which was independent blade compressibility. Um, just as one of our gentlemen finally decided, you know what, I'm going to publish, put my name out there. I don't care what the industry says. He killed a Pope and Young antelope with his longbow two weeks ago on a Monday and published it. And um, two things, we showed that, you know, the length to width ratio of our broadhead, even with the blade staying closed, gets passed through performance off a longbow. On, on animals and is undamaged, perfectly scalpel sharp, still ready to go again. And then we did another first in the industry. We published the fact that the blades didn't open. And, and boy, I've got it both ways big time, believe me. And um, I can only you, imagine the people losing their minds over that. Uh, the, two, two things were people were like, wow, a longbow. And it blew right through that thing and killed them quick. And it's open young and all this you know, we, we did it, a mechanical off traditional equipment. And, um, and he was shooting the 175 grain veteran, right? The all steel version. And mm-hmm. it's, and I don't use the same steel that other customers use or other competitors use. I actually use 440C surgical steel. It's much more expensive to machine and it allows us to rock well harden the tip and the body to, to, well, we rock well between 58 and 60. So that's our target window, 58 to 60. Yeah. Meaning, that's like, that's like high carbon. Exactly, meaning we warranty the tip and the body for life. Yeah. You'll never bend or break it. You'll never smash it. If you do, I want to know how. Um, <laughs> so we deliver, again, that super high quality. But what, what we did was we published the fact, and we didn't hide it, that the blades, for whatever reason, didn't deploy. And, again, I'm going to go back to man plans and God lab. Our lethality study shows, and it models other independent lethality studies, that there's 2 to 2.5%. Two of all mechanicals, all of them, they don't deploy. It just happens. And when somebody says, well, they do deploy 100% of the time, what they're trying to make you ignore is the fact that there's other variables that come into play where that broadhead failed. And it will never, ever be able to be used off from traditional equipment, for sure. Let alone, it will fail, it will hit the animal, but it will fail to the point the animal goes unrecovered. So our engineering accounted for that two and a half two, two and a half percent of, hey, what if these blades don't open? Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you that one and a quarter inch cut on contact and you're still going to kill that animal provided you hit the bottle. So it's that emergency fail safe. Just the same reason your truck, you have insurance on it, right? For that Mm -hmm. what if accident. So we went ahead and published that. And I'd say 90% of the public was like, wow, that's a, that's a benefit. That's promoting an engineered benefit to the design that no other broadhead company has thought of. But boy, 10%, woo! <laughs> they blew my phone up, my PM box, and they're telling me I'm an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. You know, go shoot whatever you want. I'm okay with that. Just leave me alone. You know? <laughs> Matt, send me their number. I'll give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll just prank call them all the time and pretend like we're, <laughs> we're trying to sell something. <laughs> I got thick skin. Does it get to me? Yeah, it does. I just don't understand how somebody could be so small-minded and petty to think they got to interrupt my life to just download their, you know, or promote the fact they have a very low intellect, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of keyboard heroes out there. and uh... My thoughts to these, what kind of finally shuts them up is, hey, um, the day that you put your broadhead on the market, 
come and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Good point. 29 years I've been doing this, and it's not easy. And oh, by the way, it takes a whole lot more money than what you even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's not cheap. Um, oh man, I bet. I don't. I, you know, I never got into this to make money. It for how many years have we run that aerodynamic solution, Cindy? Two thousand three. Fourteen years, fifteen years, right? Fourteen or fifteen years, we ran aerodynamic solutions and never intended to make a single penny. How's that? We never did. We, I mean, we we made profits, but we immediately turned it around and yeah. just to support. Our bow hunting habits and our and our R and D basically it predominantly supported R and D because I knew I could do better broadheads and um, so we we never intended to you know earn a living doing broadhead until this veteran and then and now that's why our company is now called Veteran Innovative Products you know new company new start and um, sorry Cindy's got another call <laughs> come on good, Cindy man. no one's more important than us <laughs> oh come on we uh, I'm popular. Like last night, I'm up till two in the morning talking with somebody down in Australia. You know, we 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 work crazy hours, and I I'd rather stay up and talk to him because next thing I know, I stay up till two in the morning, three in the morning talking to somebody. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fall asleep. And four o'clock, my phone rings, and it's somebody in New Zealand. You know, (laughs) I can vouch. I forgot about the time uh, time difference here a couple times, and I've messaged you on or I've texted you on my way to work at like seven in the morning. I'm like, damn, that's five in the morning. (laughs) That's fine, dude. dude, You answer every time. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I if I don't keep up with it, it becomes a snowball of oh my god. Now I'm going to have to spend two solid days just returning messages and phone calls, and, yeah. and that gets to be too much. I can tell you this. Email, though, I have over 3,750 emails in my <laughs> inbox that I haven't responded to yet. I, I've i just got so many I can't keep up with them. They come in every day. It's just like an avalanche. Oh, I figure if it's vitally important, then somebody's going to pick up my phone and call because everybody around the world knows if they call me, I'm going to answer or I'll get back to them shortly. Yeah, so there's something to be said for that, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know why that happened? I don't know if we covered that with you guys our last conference or, or conversation is because back when I was just a consumer of all these outdoor hunting products, I tried to call and talk to a bunch of different people, both in the broadhead industry and outside the broadheads, but the industry in the archery industry, not one single company owner or vice president or president or none of them would talk to me. And that pissed me off. I'm like, you know what? I, I in testing broadheads back then, that very first year, I must have spent two thousand dollars buying everybody's broadheads. That was a lot of money back then, and um, and the, that was a lot of broadheads too. <laughs> That's and, a lot of money now. Not one of them would freaking pick up the phone and answer it. I was pissed. So I vowed, if I ever had a business in this industry, they're going to be able to call and talk to me. By God, because I appreciate those customers. And, um, and 20 bucks to me back then was 20 bucks. And I know today 20 bucks is to you 20 friggin' dollars. And, and if you're going to be, uh, giving consideration to spending that money on a product that I've invented and put out there, then you know that it's important to me that if you want to talk to me, you're going to get me. So I love just, that, man. Yeah. I really I'm do. I'm, I'm that, that has like a special place in my heart because I know there's been times, not necessarily broadheads, but, just other products, even just trying to get a hold of customer service is like, I mean, oh, it's exactly. like you're, it's like you're murdering them trying to get a hold of them and they just, they don't want to talk and it drives me nuts. 
Yeah, push this button for that. Push it. No, man, you you're gonna call our company. You get Cindy or me. That's it. That's right. You know, and and I know we're gonna we are getting to the point now where it's just too much for us, especially since my health is kind of in decline. And um, so you know, I'm I'm we're actually in the process of trying to hire somebody full time, and um, and that's gonna relieve a lot of burden from Cindy and I. So yes, they may start to become a to handle all the normal stuff, but somebody says, "Look, I want to talk to Matt. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to get put through the mat." Right. <laughs> That's yeah. that so you know, it is. I'm just I'm going to do that for as long as I possibly can. So it's just kind of one of my core beliefs. I love it, man. Well, keeping yeah. on the broadhead too, another new thing that you're going to be um, probably pushing oh. out. You mentioned is the practice point that you made. Um, yeah, we got such that? a bunch of folks that are kind of programmed to have to shoot a practice broadhead because their broadheads are not truly field point accurate like the claim is. Our veteran broadhead is actually truly field point accurate, and I don't care. Just thousands of people send us pictures with, you know, a, a broadhead stuck in the bullseye at 50, 60, 70, 100 yards repeatedly. And and we tell people, just sight him with a 100-grain field point and then screw on these broadheads and go hunt. But because of the issues that have been there for decades before, they just I have trouble with that. So I'm like, okay, siding with 100 grain field points, take a practice shot out to 70, 80 yards, 100 yards with your field points. Make sure you're sighted in, your equipment's good, your form is good. And when you're confident to make that long distance test shot, just take one shot at that maximum distance. Not 20 or 30 or 40 yards, but 60, 70, 80, 100 yards. And so we were getting all these photographs of a target, you know, with that one shot. At those distances, but I still got a lot of phone calls, a lot of PMs going. You need to put a practice broadhead in here, and so I was. I'm listening. I listen to everybody, and I think about it. Now I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Sometimes it takes me a long time to figure out a way to satisfy my customers with that I can afford, right? Because being made in America, I cannot afford to put a fourth broadhead basically in that package. Everybody that can do that either got massively deep more pockets than I got or they're they're made in China. And I, I'm i not making anything in China. We're made right here in Texas. So what I had my machine shop do was I was like, hey, can you go ahead and make me a 100-grain field point with our veteran tip geometry in it and see how much it costs and just use the cheap steel. We don't have to harden it because i got to be less than this price. And we did it. So not only did we make 100-grain practice points, but we also made the 175-grain practice points to give away with our 175-grain broadheads for those customers that buy those. So our packaging is now done. We've got the mold done. We've got the graphics done. I just, I actually have to get it on order next week to get the new packaging coming in. So for 2020, you'll see new packaging that has three veteran broadheads in it. You'll see the two plastic uh, blade protectors, your finger protectors, or as we like to call them, our lawsuit eliminators. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then you'll get one of the VIP practice points in every package now. So we we don't have them on the website, I don't think. We were going to sell them a package of five now because we've got so many customers want to buy like five or ten of them. And so right now we're just if you want to buy them, just call us up and we'll we basically are selling them at cost uh, just because we want happy customers and we'll sell them five or ten in a baggie and ship the baggie. Not fancy packaging at all, but you. What? How did you guys get them? Three three in a bag or something like yeah, that? Five three yeah, three in a bag. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they're high quality. Um, They 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 are, are and you know, when I was telling you before this, I can vouch for them. I pulled them out the other day, and you know, 
my buddy was shooting out in the yard and we're standing there and, and I had them in my pocket and I was showing them, you know, Hey, look, these are for the veteran and you know, look how cool they are. And he couldn't believe one that they were a hundred grain. I'm like, yeah, I mean, they look just like the field tips you have on, put them on, see what, see what happens. So sure enough, he puts one on, he shoots his two with his regular field points and then he shoots this one. This one not only flew straighter and, you know, more direct, it piled into the, into the hay bale. I mean, it, it went straight into the straw and it went probably two, three, four inches deeper than his normal field tip did. And then yeah. he's like, uh, let me see the rest of those. Puts all three on and shoots maybe one of his best groups all year and puts all three of them right into the center of a circle. You know? yeah. So they're, they're impressive. I was impressed and I haven't even shot one myself yet. Yeah, we're, you know, I could go into all kinds of talk about aer- aerodynamics and all this kind of BS, but it's, it's the simple thing is it took two and a half years to develop that specific tip geometry for both, you know, uh, perfecting aero flight as well as penetration through predominantly the focus was major bone breaching. Okay. Cause that's an area that all other replaceable bladed broadheads, fixed or mechanical, that is an area that they all have trouble with. There is typically one of the Ashby 12 rules, which is a good, and you know, Ashby's done some really good work, and there's some very good solid uh, information there. And one of the things is catastrophic failure. If it fails catastrophically to impact your bone, you're done. You're just, you're done. And um, so uh, that's a major flaw for all. The second aspect of, of uh, all fixed blades, which includes single bevels, as well as mechanicals especially, is is say they don't catastrophically fail. As soon as they start breaching major bone, you get forces upon the broadhead that are not conducive to enjoying straight line penetration. Okay? It's about as simple as I can explain it. The veteran broadhead, that tip geometry and the distance between that tip geometry and where we first start interacting with our blade, it's about a half an inch, right? You can see that? Yeah. That's critical to the function of uh, both accuracy through the air, called it's it's a very simple physics term, time and distance, right? Or terms, time and distance reveals all. That's kind of my mantra. But it's critical in bone breaching, major bone breaching especially. As soon as any fixed blade broadhead strikes a bone, you immediately start deflecting because there's no such thing as perfection in nature. You don't have equal pressure on one side of the broadhead like you do the other, right? And so when you have a more pressure on one side than the other and an angled rigid shape striking that object it's going to deflect instantly and so the deceleration value of that deflection the only way i can get people to understand it is you ever watch quarter mile dragsters right yep as soon as they cross the finish line they're doing 300 miles an hour as soon as they cross the finish line what do they do they pop that chute yep and it immediately starts decelerating that dragster very quickly that's the same equivalent value of deceleration that a broadhead experiences at impact with a bone and it's it's deflecting and decelerating your forward momentum is being taken away from forward to some other direction and it's very inefficient for continuing penetration uh because remember that where the broadhead goes the, the arrow shaft follows yeah it's, a flex- it's flexible right it's like the limbs of your bow it flexes and then rebounds all that happens is it's going through the animal. So my goal was to get completely through the animal with the minimal amount of forward momentum energy wasted or needed. And, and we accomplished that. That's why our customers, like you saw a couple of weeks ago, we posted our traditional customer shooting a longbow with a mechanical broadhead. 
and having more confidence shooting that than he did his old style traditional broadheads because he knew from experience that not only will we penetrate as equally or effectively as any traditional design that he'd been shooting, but we enhance lethality by enjoying the benefits of a wide cut mechanical while we're in there, just mix mashing up the vitals. And typically we're delivering a wider exit wound. As you saw that on the animal, even though the broad, it didn't open on that particular one instance, which is rare, but it happens. We engineered for that. Look, at, go back and look at that antelope on the exit wound. Look at the size of that hole. That's a big hole. It was a gaping hole. Yeah. Yeah. And the antelope didn't make it 50 yards. And they're usually those speedsters that can run quite a ways before they fall over dead. On average, and I always talk about on average, I don't just cherry pick the best case scenario. We've got a whole lot of other traditional kills that those gentlemen prefer to not have themselves published. And this is in Australia, Africa, New Zealand, and here in North America. Because the, the social media keyboard cowboys, they just chew them up and spit them up. Plus, <laughs> like you got the whole traditional crowd. They're very anti-mechanical, anti-modern anything. Even though it improves recovery rate, they still are, you know, kind of... They'd rather use a stone, a chiseled yeah, piece of stone. If you're not <laughs> making your own bamboo arrow shafts and flinting your own, you know, broadheads and tying it on there with sinew and glued together with your own spit, you know, you're just nobody. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, guys. Do it your way. That's fine. But quit that's bashing right. other people that choose another way. You know, that's right. All out there on the same team. Let's, let's play well together. That's right. We support them for what they do. They need to support everyone else on what they do. It's all one big yeah, family and one big Yeah, I embrace it. I love my recurve. And I, sh I, I don't hunt with a longbow. I just don't like the hand shock. I've never found a longbow. Well, my buddy that actually killed this antelope he let me shoot his longbow when i was in wyoming one time man it's sweet it's a sweet dang longbow but i just didn't want to spend the money on one of those <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty pricey and i'm just an old country boy them nickels are you know it's a lot of nickels what i my favorite recurve to shoot i got a fredbear takedown and uh and i, I bought it from a, a gentleman down in mexico when i was on a turkey hunt down there hunting gould's turkeys with him he's a uh, mexican archery champion and he owns a bunch of archery shops down there and he's just oh man he's one of them people i thank god i got to meet in my life that this making broadheads allowed me to meet he's but i he he had that and he was shooting it we were having a our, well i gotta fess up our lunch was 90 percent margarita on the rock <laughs> and, and we were all shooting you know we were on a turkey hunt so we were all shooting guillotines and he pulled out his recurve and started practicing with it and i've been looking for a takedown recurve because i travel a lot to hunt and i wanted a traditional takedown and i tried a bunch and i just didn't find any that fit me good and i said hey can i can i try that one i heard about him but i had never shot one he's like yeah go ahead dude i never gave it back <laughs> <laughs> i shot that thing pretty darn good he's like wow you shoot it better than me and i'm like well how much he said 600 bucks sold <laughs> so i gave him 600 cash and it came home came home with me I've been like killing it. animals with it ever since. And, uh, you know, I've, I've killed animals with the 100 grain veteran off it. And then we made, we shot the 175 grain all steel version for three years testing it before we went public with it this year. And I killed some animals with that. And, um, I had some, I had some friends fly in that, uh, tested on our ranch killing pigs with their recurves and longbows as well, just to get their opinions. And they all loved it and they all killed pigs. So. Yeah, man. That honestly, a heavy broadhead like that. That it, especially your design, it's just gotta fly through them like butter, man. Yeah, we, that's the other aspect of because it costs so much to bring a mechanical broadhead, any broadhead, onto the market. I'd cost justify it, 
and really we're we really didn't quite cost justify it, but the demand is growing. So that's kind of the final piece of the momentum that pushed me over the edge to just bring it to market this year. Um is because not just the traditional guys were demanding it. I do have a bunch of people out there that have um they're the EFOC guys, you know, the, they want more mass in motion. And I applaud that. It's 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 a there's there's a limit of course, but there's a benefit to having a little more front of center, you know, a little more heavy weight on the leading edge of it rather than the trailing edge of it of an arrow. And it's about momentum. Momentum values increase tremendously when you just add an extra fifty to I personally don't see much benefit really that's quantifiable to a degree until you get to that hundred and seventy five grain, two hundred grain, two hundred and twenty five grain level. Anything above that, now you're getting in specialty weights and those are more for the dangerous games game laws being satisfied for elephants and things of that nature. But you know, the, the, my little hundred grain Adam broadhead in a titanium, one piece titanium broadhead uh, body is, is killed a bunch of K buffalo and things like that. I mean, it'll, it'll kill the dangerous game, but uh, it's killed lions, killed leopards. And, but some laws like in South Africa, they mandate, okay, you have to shoot an 800 grain arrow, which, oh, you know, minimum, which means, okay, you you have to have a heavier broadhead to do that. Well, my 175 grain gets people more competent and capable. The other aspect is that women and kids shoot low poundage compound bows or something that they want to go hunt elk. Okay, there's a couple aspects of how you achieve a little more weight in the end of your arrow. And uh, one of those is, and I very much support him, is a fellow veteran-owned company that makes just phenomenal products is Ethics Archery, right? They make inserts, outserts, Things like that that fit a, I mean, pick a shaft. They, they have something that'll fit. They will work with you personally and they will get you right. Big hoss, uh, right? Yeah, yep. old Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That man is a friggin' diamond. I'm telling you, he's a good man and, um, and so's the owner of the company. But, um, anyway, along with that, there's customers that just don't want to go through all that specialty arrow building stuff. And then so the 175 grain allows them to have their standard arrows that they got now with their regular old aluminum inserts. It's already glued in there. They could just screw on our 175 grain VIP practice point, make sure they're sighted into their typically shorter hunting distances. Well, some of our out west guys that are shooting elk and uh, moose or brown bear, they are going to take longer shots. So they do practice with the heavier weight stuff at those farther distances, but they know when that veteran at 175 grain all steel slams into that animal, it's going to go blowing completely through it. No problem. But the lower poundage folks, they just sight in with a VIP practice point. They screw in the veteran 175 grain. They go hunt. They know that they're going to kill that animal if they put in the vitals and they're going to get typically, I'd say, you know, I, I never say 100%, but boy, they're going to get a, an exit wound, a, a pass through shot far more often than even they'd experience shooting a little small three blade or two blade broadhead, right? So they get the benefits of having higher recovery rates with that veteran technology. Now you mentioned it a few times, Matt, about, you know, going through the vitals and, you know, hitting them in a lethal spot. And here's something that Austin want to talk about as well is shot placement. So, oh God! Yeah. <laughs> it, I won't it, mention it. I won't mention a name, and it really chaps my ass. Is I should have said it more. I should say it just kind of. It's it's one of those hunts that sticks with you. It's mm-hmm. a scenario that just is painful to have to been forced to experience. 
and people are quick to judge, quick to assume, and they are quick on the keyboard on social media. And I'm telling you, last year I got blasted. I mean, blasted. And this dude called me up from the field, and I owe him a Boone and Crockett animal, and my broadhead didn't do this, and my broadhead didn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I took it all. I took it all. And I'm like, you know, and, and of course, what's the claim? I made a perfect shot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, please explain to me how you put a one and a quarter inch, always cut scalpel sharpest blades in the industry, never fail, never break, rarely ever, through a Boone and Crockett white-tailed deer, which I consider still a paper mache animal, easy to kill. And you trailed it up 300 yards, 400 yards, 500 yards, 600 yards, backed out, followed it, and and didn't find your animal dead. What that tells me is you didn't hit the vitals. I said it. I'm telling you, this dude's a former Marine, too. And normally a military person has honor, integrity, and solid character. This guy demonstrated why he's no longer in the Marines because he doesn't have any of that. And it, and I let him know it too. I said, I let him know it. And, um, because he, he just would, he was relentless on me on the phone. And then he jumped on social media and just blew me to smithereen. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> he ended up finding it, I'm hoping. No, all of a sudden no. it shows up on a trail camera is, guess what? That, that Boone and Crackett buck. Yeah. Still alive. And, yeah. But guess what? He didn't publish that. Mm-mm. So what happened? Come rifle season. Okay. He he knew it was still alive. Well, he ended up shooting it with his bow. I don't know what brought it to use. I could really give a shit. I don't want that guy shooting my stuff. I don't want that kind of people in my family. And uh anyway, next thing you know, he's bragging all over the Internet about what a great white hunter he is and a great bow hunter, right? And uh, look what he did, blah, 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 thumping his chest. And so I just jumped on there and said, oh, so is this a good time for you to give me the apology you owe me? Boy, did I get an earful. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? And so I just let it go. Well, now he's published a whole freaking video of it just recently. And I'm like, there, he admits he made a bad shot. And, yeah. um, but you still think that I'd get an apology? No. I mean, just, that's the true lack of character people comes out in this industry. They're so hell bent on being experts and being, you know, the man on some TV show. That's why you rarely see me on a TV show. I don't like that limelight. I don't like that kind of an environment. Maybe I'm best suited for podcasts because my face is better suited for radio, not TV. <laughs> you know, but I got thick skin and all like that, but there's always a certain few people out there. I just call them trolls, you know, that they've never done anything in their life and they, they try to play big man on campus and they live in a little damn kindergarten classroom they've never done anything they don't know anything about the world and they don't have the wisdom of age and experience and failure to to understand that you know maybe there's something here i should slow my roll before i go public and we understand exactly what's going on before i blow this company and this guy personally out of the water but you know once the words are out there and especially on social media guess what they don't come back there's no pulling it back in so well I would like but to say I, that that's just a that's a bummer that he did that, man. I, yeah. I I'm sorry that happened. I mean, it's, it comes with the territory, just like PETA folks that are always harassing us. It comes with the territory. I'm okay with it, but just a few things. The, the circling back, what that shows is I can engineer in the field point accuracy, but if you don't do your job, there's no broadhead in the world that's going to kill that animal. Damn right? right. It's really that simple, and there was no better example than that. Matt, I mean, it was a beautiful buck. It was a Boone and Crockett buck. Beautiful. And I'm finally, I am, I'm 
I'm actually glad he got it with his bow because that is quite an accomplishment. And, and it, he stuck with it. What I don't like is the complete lack of character or complete honesty of the guy. And just, you know, that, that bugs me more than anything is I'll take my lumps on my broadhead all day, every day. And I, and I was honest with folks. I've still never created the perfect broadhead. Well, January, you'll see it, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's as perfect as I can make it. And that's where I'll put the line in the sand. I've never drawn that line before, but I'll draw the line in the sand now for that configuration. That is as perfect as can be done and still be a hundred grains. That's I'll leave it right there. I you, dig it. It's a 12 blade broadhead. It's going to be the best thing <laughs> in the world. 42 inch <laughs> cut. Width that way, if you hit the deer anywhere on its body, you're gonna kill it. I, I, I was tempted to call it the Moab, right? Mother of all broadheads. Oh, oh dude, nice. But I no, we're we're we've got a different name for it. I don't know. Did I tell you the name of it? Mm-mm. I don't know if I published nah. it yet. I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to put. We can save I it. Do want we can to save it. I'll bed tonight, and Cindy will absolutely thump me if I yeah. talk too much about it. But I like Moab. Let's just, uh, we debut it in January. There will be no doubt in anybody's mind in and out of this industry. There's just a, that, um, this company absolutely engineers its own broadheads and does not mimic anybody else like other companies are beginning to do me. I love it, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm stoked. I, I've never been so excited to go to an ATA show as I am this year. That's awesome. I hope you guys get so much hype from it and I, I hope it just blows everybody out of the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we thought we'd get hyped with this Two Blades veteran when we debuted it. Guess what? Three years and nothing. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing. We'll hype all it. These other, all these others, you know, but that's just part of the industry. That's just that's just the way this industry works. It's not like you think it is inside the ropes. It's definitely a learning curve. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I think it was you that told me it takes, what, three years, right? Yeah, it's about three years. You so. just got to... You got to weather the storm for three years, and then either your product has proven itself over those three years, and then you start getting company momentum with that product line, or you don't. You just you just take it off the market to go do something else, or improve it, really, because um, you know part of that process is your customers are telling you you need to improve. So mm-hmm. I mean, you go back and look at the history of like new archery products. I really loved Danny Simo. I was proud and honored to meet him and, and have much. Spent much time with them just sitting down and talking business and broadheads. And, you know, we decided not to sell our company to them a couple of times. And, but I really cherished the time I spent with them. And part of that was the business side of things. And, and, and I asked him, I says, well, if you look at him, he was one of the most prolific patent buyer, right? A new broadhead would come on the market, somebody like me, and they'd be patented and, and they'd have this little change to a, mechanical or change to a fixed blade and Andy would go and buy them, buy the patents, take that into his portfolio. Go back and look at the new archery products portfolio over the last 30 years. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's hundreds of different designs and, and, um, and I ask, well, why do you do that? You're competing against yourself on so many different fronts. And, um, and he says, because if I only had the, the one broadhead I came on the market with, I wouldn't be selling broadheads anymore. I wouldn't be able to do it for a living. So, I have the portfolio to satisfy the largest base of customers out there. And, uh, and, um, and owning the patents, it prevents others from coming on and competing against him with his own product line. So. Yeah, I really like NAP. I shot NAP for years. Yeah, I did. That's, I started, I shot them as well. Mm-hmm. I, I started out cheating the Thunderhead. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, I, re- um, and there's the company that, that, that I ended up 
you know, I shot bear razor heads and, and all those traditional broadheads when I first started because that's all that was available, right? And then I saw a muzzy and I shot muzzy and I, I didn't really like the fit and finish way back then. And, but I liked the concept of replaceable bladed broadheads. I didn't have to sharpen them all the time. And, um, and then, um, NAP, I shot the Thunderhead. And then the, I found out about a company down in Connecticut called Wasp. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Wasp Parts. Yep. Yeah, I love them. I love them. That company makes a fine broadhead. Yeah, if I'm competing with them now and this and that, whatever. Hey, super big compliments to that company. They've been in the industry, gosh, over, it's gotta be over 30 years. Um, they make a very good broadhead, high quality always. Now they're using the Havilon blades. It's, they just have always been simple, fixed blade. Now they're doing mechanicals, you know, the jackhammer, or whatnot, but, uh, their, their core of their business is the fixed blade broadheads and, uh, they make a good one. And I shot them. I used their 130 gray cam lock wasp broadhead and killed a ton of animal for that thing. So let's do something a little different here. I want to go over maybe some concerns of the broadhead and you can put those to rest. And then if we have a little time, maybe we can get into, uh, maybe some hunting tactics as well since the season's right around the corner. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine. Concerns of what broadhead? Uh, the veteran. All right. Talk to me. What's up? So, and I'm I'm kind of making these up as I go along, but I, I'm trying to find something. <laughs> we call that we call that swagging. <laughs> That's right. Wild ass guessing. <laughs> so the first one, um, if someone comes up and says, you know, I really like this broadhead, but the price point's too high. What are you working on to kind of get that, or what would you say is the reason behind where your price point is at? Okay. A uh, couple things. Number one, we're very proud of the, the sacrifice we make to profits by making everything 100% in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of other companies do that, but again, we, I, I know this is just a business choice that we made. Other companies, they make their own business choices, and I support that wholly. We live in the land of the free, right? Do what you want. But I, what I learned in this industry of all these years of doing this um, was – it seems 100% of the time the company puts the product on the market and the engineering thought mechanism and process was, well, we got to put something new in the market, but the focus was profit. Okay. That's business. I get that. But for me, the reason I got into this industry was failure of broadheads. I, I wanted to make a highest quality broadhead. That was my goal. Improve recovery rates, make the highest quality durable and reusable, not disposable. And so that's why you you never see, other than my original guillotine, I had uh, plastic straws covering my blades. Basically, I call them plastic straws because that's what they look like. Uh, that's what they originally were, but they're aerodynamic sheets. It's a round, redundant, sacrificial thing that allows my four-inch fixed blade broadhead to fly through the air, be accurate, and then it cuts through it and blah, blah, blah. It's a sacrificial part. That's the only plastic I've used. The... But I made the commitment. I got away from that. I came out with even a diamond edition guillotine to eliminate the use of what I call lazy engineering. And so anyway, long story short is with the veteran in particular, I was really focused on durable and reusable, not disposable, because you can ask pretty much out of 100 bow hunters, 98 of them are going to tell you when you ask them the question, how many animals can you really get out of that broadhead that you're shooting now? And you'll hear definitely one. Maybe two. That's kind of the average answer. One, maybe two, sometimes three. Well, to me, that's, man, I can do better than that. So within this, this, the veteran, there's two components of the durability 
and reusability. One is we've engineered our body design to be highly impact resistant. It's very rigid, a lot more so than any other broadhead we tested. And and we did that because we knew we were going to be going through heavy bones of animals. We just want to make sure we didn't have, as Ashby says, a catastrophic failure. So we've never had that on an animal, ever. Anyway, the the other aspect that once you get past rubber bands, plastic, and O-rings on other people's mechanicals, because we are a mechanical, the next weakest link in that chain of failure is the blades. So I spent a lot of time energy analyzing everybody else's blades on the market, regardless of what the marketing words were said about what it is, what it does, and how tough and sharp and blah, blah, blah. I just ignored all that. I did the metallurgy. Do the x-radiation to, to, to look at the stresses. You know, are there any fractures in the process that they make them? Are they over-hardened, under-hardened, whatever? The reality is the blades on ours are very expensive because they're extremely high quality. So that drives our cost up. But what you're going to get to do is what you've seen published over and over and over and over in three years. We've got customers that bought one pack of the veteran broadhead at $49.95 or $45 bucks when we first put it out. And they have been shooting the same single broadhead for three full season. And we'll be starting a fourth season with that same broadhead, same two blades. They haven't even had to resharpen them. All we ask is you take the broadhead apart, which comes apart in seconds. You guys know this. Mm-hmm. Clean it up. Clean the dirt and the blood and everything out of it so it mechanically can operate freely. There's no grit in there, jammed in there. It won't open. Just put it back together. You're ready to go. So it's you get the quality. It's the same thing about, you know, you can go buy a Toyota Corolla, not knocking them, but you get what you pay for. Or you can go buy that nice Mercedes 300 AMG. There's a difference in the engineering and the quality of what that vehicle is going to deliver for you for a lot more years than that Toyota that's engineered to last three to five years. You can drive that Mercedes the rest of your lives. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. And that's kind of where I was hoping you'd go with that is, you know, the quality of these broadheads because they are built to last and they're built to just do absolute destruction without any destruction to them, which is pretty incredible. Um, Yeah, here's, I'll I'll give you this because I had somebody call me up when, when somebody else posted, you know, it's really rare when one of our blades breaks. It's it's very rare. They're, they're very, very hard to bend. And I would actually rather have them break than bend. And boy, did I get a face full from a guy that called me up about, well, this brought it. They promote the fact that they bend and don't break because it's still going to be cutting in their blood. And I said, okay, I, I can only explain this to you this way. The goal in showing improved lethality is to get an exit wound. As soon as you have a blade bend going into the chest cavity of an animal, it's bending as it goes in, right? That's 99% of the time it's going to bend going in. What happens on a boat when that rudder's in the water and you just tap the tiller of that outboard engine? What happens to the nose of that boat? It's turning, man. Instantly. It'll throw your butt out of the boat if you tap it too hard, right? Yeah. Because you instantly change direction. That's exactly what happens when a broadhead blade bends. It starts changing the direction of that arrow path radically. Yes, you may still succeed, kill, and recover that animal, but you immediately put yourself back into the boundaries of the highest ever recorded recovery rates for mechanicals on white-tailed deer shot 20 yards and less is 87. Typically, it's 85 to 87, and fixed blades are less than that. So, to me, 
my own studies, and this is my own thoughts, my own studies, and it's why I developed the veteran broadhead to be what it is. It's extremely hard to break one of our blades, but when I break it, it breaks cleanly at a certain point. I still have half the length of that blade remaining to continue cutting, right? Mm-hmm. And the other blade, we've never ever seen, even in our own destructive testing, two blades break. It just doesn't happen. They're that tough. But you still have the full length cut width of the other blade out there, and you have half of the, the other blade, worst case scenario cutting. And I'm not deflecting. Why? The blade broke. What little difference of pressure there was forced to cause that thing. I'm still traveling as relatively straight as possible, unimpeded with direction forcing change of a bent blade. You follow my reasoning there? Absolutely. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting that exit wound and killing that and recovering that animal back at my 95 to 96% recovery rate that the veteran brought it is delivering for five years now of our tracking our recovery rates. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're enjoying too much technical detail here, but there's a engineered reason why I do what I do. It's not guesswork and I don't put marketing things that sound good just to sell broadhead to justify using cheaper materials. I'm just not that guy. I don't need to do it and I'm not going to sell a broadhead like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes total sense, man. And uh, I I want a customer to know wherever they travel in the world that they can take our 100 grain veteran aluminum body broadhead and compete against the $150 one piece solid machine broadheads. And I'm actually going to deliver a higher recovery rate, especially if you do apples to apples comparison on the weight, right? So that's the only way that a single bevel broadhead can beat me going through heavy cow leg bones is by having more mass than me to push through and hide the inefficiencies of how they go through a bone. So, but that's just one aspect of what a broadhead's supposed to do. And people have trouble when I start talking recovery rates because that reveals all in, in single bevel, double bevel, doesn't matter. That if it's an apples to apples comparison, the fixed blade broadhead is, is the worst out there for recovery rates. <laughs> okay. So the next one, I, it, this is an easy one for you. So. The veteran has a wide cut width. It, quote unquote, will slow down my arrow. If that's a concern for someone looking at this, because it it looks overwhelmingly wide here, but why don't yeah. you explain why that's not really a concern? Okay, I I believe that question would stem from their understanding of how all mechanicals work, and they're right. Correct. They should be concerned about wide cutting because wide cut broadheads displace the forward momentum energy over a wide surface area. The wider surface area, your contact with not only more flesh and skin and fur to affect use of momentum, but also you're engaging more bones. And so it takes a lot more energy to push through all that. And and obviously it has a higher deflection value as well because on mechanicals, their length to width ratio is not good, not as good as fixed blades typically. So yeah, it's a very valid question. What we did was, if you see from our tip to our full cutting width, we have more than a two-to-one length-to-width ratio. I don't know if you saw the video from Ewan Rainey from Australia, who has good experience with our veteran, but he gave a video testimonial about why he shoots our veteran, and, and he held up our veteran broadhead overlaid on top of a traditional broadhead with a three-to-one length-to-width ratio, and we nearly matched that. And so we enjoy what's called good mechanical efficiency of 
the broadhead, even with the blades not open. But unlike all other mechanicals in the world, that's why we differentiate our to a new category of broadhead that's called momentum management. We understand the lack of a penetration efficiency a wide cut mechanical has. So we have that independent blade compressibility. We can automatically adjust our true cutting width to enjoy the same compressible cutting width as your suspension on your truck does when your tire goes over a bump. So we're aware of wide cut potentially inhibiting our penetration, and so we automatically adjust for that. So we cut wide where we need to, and we can reduce the cutting width down to where it's not needed to get through and past the bone or getting that exit wound. Now, we actually make it harder to uh, close our blades at the exit wound because we've already done the wide cut through the vitals, so we don't want it to cut compress back down to one and a quarter inch on the exit wound. So we the blade lock ring moves up to impede that. We don't lock them open because we want the exit wound. But, so our av- exit, average exit wound is somewhere, it's north of an inch and a half, typically about inch and three quarters, which is a pretty good hole. Yeah, it is, man. I'll take that any day. All right. Exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. <laughs> and then yeah. you, you kind of answered this next one. So, and it, it goes back to basing it off of all other mechanical broadheads. And that's, yeah. you know, the, the potential opportunity of running the ribs or, you know, where most people say, well, I like mechanical broadhead, but a lot of times they'll open up and one blade will just run and zip straight down those ribs instead of penetrating on a quartering away or quartering at shot. Instead of penetrating and going in and, you know, penetrating into the the vitals. But I think you already explained this one with the fact that you have that almost half an inch, you know, in front of your blades where your tip is entering and creating that path. That's exactly right. That that took me a while to figure out. And uh, because I've been in a situation where I wanted to take an extreme quartering toward me or quartering away shot. You know, I've had experience even with fixed blade broadhead, you know, pole vaulting off, angling off. And mm-hmm. uh, because of the angle of the cut versus the contact of the outer edge versus the tip geometry. And so I've personally experienced that. And so with all the different factors coming together in my engineering of this veteran, I realized I need to make that actually made a little longer than I needed to. And um uh, just to make sure I could just sink that rudder in, basically. And somebody actually posted on our private page would you take this shot on a deer and it was quartering towards me um and i was everybody that shot the veteran has had experience taking shots 100 percent said instantly yes he posted it on some other open to the public page and it was 50 50 you know but anybody that had shot the veteran definitely said oh yes why because not only do they understand the engineering behind it but also a lot of them have actually taken those shots and experienced the penetrating, the straight line penetration capability of the veteran. So, yeah, we, you know, there's a lot of subtleties to the design that you may never experience yourself. But when you have that animal of a lifetime step out there and give you that one shot opportunity, you know that there's so much engineering in this design that you can have supreme confidence that I don't mean be reckless in your shots, right? not promoting reckless shots. Right, I'm just of course. saying, if you have a good shot, there's no reason not to take it. I, I've even taken full chest on shots. That's a deadly, deadly shot. I agree. I've had results with that. Yeah, and, and typically, I actually, the result I had, I kind of, you've heard of the Texas heart shot, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the, the one time I tested this, it was actually the reverse Texas heart shot, because that's where it came out. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that deer did not make it 10 yards. It was dead in second. And um, that brought it was, I didn't get the complete pass through, but the Fletchens hung up, right? So, mm-hmm. but it was, it was sticking out right up. The Fletchens almost came out. <laughs> That's still like unheard of though. That, <laughs> you basically just, honestly, you should have taken like a little skewer or something, just barbecued that thing because you already had a pathway right through it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty graphic, so I didn't even take any pictures. Yeah, it's like the, the necktie, we, the Italian necktie <laughs> shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We're going to start we, calling that the rotisserie. <laughs> yeah. We don't try to be politically correct. That's not in my DNA, but I, I do try to be sensitive for the benefit of the industry, right, that we love and enjoy. And so we, we'll clean up our animals and, you know, we'll try not to be too graphic. And normally... The things that I post are given to me by our customers or, the, you know, those who test our products. Because every time I may post something, it's it's like the buck you saw me post the other day, you know, laying down there and cleaned him up. And he was a big, beautiful buck. And, you know, normally I'll post Cindy or Lynn or, you know, my daughter or, or my friends killing stuff. I don't post stuff me killing too often either. Again, I got that face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, bud. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to talk to you about before we before we wrap this whole thing up is I want to get into a little bit of tactics. Since most seasons are coming up, there's a couple already started, but if you had to pick like your your perfect situation for an early season hunt, what would that look like? Well, having hunted all over the United States, we're talking white-tailed deer, right? Yes, sir. Oh, so you're in Pennsylvania. You got rolling terrain. Yep. Uh, you got the Green Mountains running through there. I don't know where you guys are. Are you hunting the mountains or are you hunting more of the... The rolling plains out there, the rolling. More country. rolling. Yeah, more rolling, some ag fields. Uh, just, yeah. we're just south of the, the big mountainous terrain. Okay. But you got hardwood. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Um, you're mostly dairy, right? Dairy, ag. Not a okay. whole lot of dairy anymore. They're kind of falling off the wayside, but. Really? Yeah. So you're corn and soybeans and uh, alfalfa. Yep. Yep. I'd say number one key thing is I'm looking at my topography. And then I'm going to be searching for, well, this time of the year especially, where's the water? You know, where are they drinking? That's mm-hmm. really important. People don't pay enough attention to the deer got to drink. So do you have creeks running through, rich streams running through, or do you have ponds? Both. More okay. so streams and ponds, but but we have both. Yeah, streams is harder because they can. that's a long length of territory to cover. So I'm back to terrain and bedding and things of that nature. And then most people get too hung up in hunting the agriculture i i don't like hunting agriculture myself i'm a woodsman i i get into the woods and try to utilize what's dropping first like when i hunted new york new hampshire and vermont and guided my predominant number one food source for early season bow season was going to be the beech trees and beech nuts fall first and there's a lot of them and then deer like them and the bear like them too we hunt a bear too so that would be it and then and then i'm following the acorns they'll start dropping and and then I'm looking for that. It's funny. Deer will tell you which tree to hunt if you just go out and pay attention. And all these talks about how oh, you can't be walking around in the woods and scent control and this and that. Well, you know what? Deer aren't as sensitive to that as folks imagine. At least that's my experience. And so doing some scouting, you know, I always scouted year round. I wanted to know why I spent two days in this stand and didn't see a dang deer. So I'd figure it out. And I invariably I'd figure it out. And I'd be like, well, dang, that. That oak tree over there or that beech tree patch over there was the preferred out of all the ones on the hillside on this side of this mountain, 
They want to be there. Okay, I'm going to go over there. And you don't know that unless you get on your feet and do your homework. So that's, that's what I would do. I'd say, uh, you know, initially look for the native food sources because that's what deer are programmed to eat first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next thing is, if you've got those places, I think we touched on it before. I think I'm going to have to make a VIP version of this tool, right? <laughs> yes, sir. I can't wait. <laughs> is, uh, is one of my secret weapons that was just made it so much easier to go in and out unnoticed was a simple leaf rake. <laughs> and I, I would, I would bring that in with me every hunt and on my way back out because leaves are falling that time of the year, right? They still fall. I would rake my way back out. And, uh, so I knew when I or my customer went into that particular spot that morning or the next morning, there weren't, you know, the next day, there weren't enough leaves you could, you could walk through without making a single sound. Bare dirt, super quiet, sneak in there. And I would never hunt a stand that was, even fickle with the wind. I always made sure the critical aspect was you got to pay attention to both time of the day, right? The morning, the the initial movement of air is down, air is sinking, and then the sun comes up. Whoop! The sun, it's the thermals, it's rising now, and so the predominant wind plus the thermal concerns was would really define the final point where I put my stand. With all the all the other factors accounted for with respect to where they are at night, where they want to be in the day, and, and that sort of a thing, their normal move. And there's some stands that you, you know, I found there's some areas you just can't hunt it in the morning. You have to sneak in there in the morning and sit there, knowing you're not going to see a deer until they get up to go get some water, and then they walk over there that that 75 or 100 yards to get a drink of water, and then go back in and lay down. Well, I was snuck in there waiting for them to come to that water in between them and the water source because I was in a spot that only allowed me to have the wind, the sun, the thermals right at that time of the day. Now this is all, all these skills were learned at the School of Hard Knocks well before there was any camel clothing or scent sprays and you know all the other stuff they got on the market now to get you close to big buck. You just don't need that stuff number one if you just pay attention to what the woods are telling you. And you can't force them. You you can't force yourself into an animal's life and still expect to be successful. You got to go in there ninja style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> in, ninja in, ninja out. Right. <laughs> I like it. That is super solid advice, man. I think all but, of our listeners can agree with that. Hey, don't forget to when when um when everybody starts listening to this, let them know that. If they listen to it, they're going to learn through listening to this to, to like and share both your page and ours, and then their names are going to drawing, and we'll go ahead and have you guys do a random drawing, and we'll give away a free pack of broadheads. We'll send them some of our new VIP practice points, and, and we'll have some fun with that. We'll let them give a veteran a run this season. That is so generous, man. We really appreciate that. Yeah. For all the people out there that can't find you or don't know where to find you, where can they find you? Social media, uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah, they can find us on Facebook, and that's really the only one I truly know how to operate, so that's where I spend most of my time. (laughs) Hey, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, search Veteran Innovative Products, and you'll see our VIP logo there. And uh, just like it, share it, and you you can ask our customers. You can scroll down through and see a whole lot of really good older posts that we've done. And, you know, some, there might be a 1,000 people viewed it and liked it or whatever, but then you'll see others where, like Cindy's buck that she shot a couple years ago is, Dang near 300,000. It went viral. That thing is a beast, too. 
Yeah, and then uh, you can go over and see what our customers are posting and ask them any questions if, if you've got them, and you'll see a lot of the stuff that they've done and accomplished with our broadheads. It's, we're humbled that we have such a large and growing VIP family. You know, there's a lot of exciting things going on. And Well, guys, I don't know what to tell you other than I am so sorry that my computer turned into a communist and corrupted all the end of the podcast. I tried my hardest to get it back and get the audio perfect, but it just ended up turning into a pile of dog crap, and this is what I have to leave you with. But a huge shout out to Matt and Cindy for coming on. We super appreciate you guys, all of your time, all of your support, all of your efforts, everything. You guys are the true VIPs, MVPs, all the Ps. You guys are the persons. Here's the outro. Can you guys believe what just happened? <laughs> Matt and Cindy Futuray, the best people on earth. For episode number two, back on the cast. Those guys, I could talk to them every week. No, oh, I could too. I love talking to Matt. Matt is the man. Cindy just runs him. She's the lady. <laughs> <laughs> she is the owner of that household. Don't let anybody fool you. She is a ball fury, but she's awesome. Yeah, I agree, my man. Yeah, I fun, agree. Fun episode, man. Fun episode, man. A giveaway? A giveaway. Can you believe it? You guys got to get on that. I am looking at the giveaway right here. We have two packs of veteran broadheads. We also have two practice tip points. These things are incredible. Dude, I'm shooting my arrow today, and with normal field tip on it, and, I mean, it's doing that circle mm -hmm. where I can tell something's just not right. I put one of these on. I kid you not, as flat as day. The boom! Just dropping pins in there. Dangers, dude. I'm like, you gotta be <laughs> shitting me. I love it. Just a simple field tip change can do that. You yeah, know, man. just level me out. I don't know if it's it was the weight or if it's just the tip geometry of these things. I'm going with the tip geometries. Why I am it's too. flying so well. Absolutely. Mike McCoy, he got himself a pack. He was impressed. Ooh, he was I like impressed. It. He was like, I gave him just the field tip, yep. just the practice point. Mm -hmm. He shot it, and I mean, he put a dead bullseye. I love he was it. Like, dude, I am all in. <laughs> Let's go. So I'm pumped. But, I am yeah. too, man. So, I mean, it feels good to say. We're part of the VIP family now. We are part of the VIP family. Yeah, man. Shout out it's to my boys at Whitetail Legacy Podcast also. That's right. And everyone else that's part of the family. It's a big, happy family. You know, and if it's... It's a happy anything, family of killing shit. It's absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's anything like my big, happy family, you know, it's a little dysfunctional and that's what makes families great. <laughs> exactly, dude. I like it. I like it. We got to get down there to Texas and meet oh, them guys, man. or at least ATA. We're planning on it. We're thinking ATA next year. I got to, I got to figure out getting some time or we something do to do it. it. Even if I we really go want for to. a long, you know, weekend or something just for the, because it's, is it during the weekend or is it during the week? I can't remember. I think it's during the weekend. Eh? Regardless, we, we ought to get down there for a couple of days. We'll, we'll try and figure something out. Yeah. Meet everybody and, and yeah. really get our, our faces out there. We're just a bunch of guys that stay in Pennsylvania all to ourselves. Kill shit. And kill shit. Yeah. When we can. When we can. Exactly. But so that's it, man. Dude. That's it. I mean, freaking killer episode. Everybody out there, go check out VIP. Get yourself some veteran broadheads. They are just absolutely gnarly. Get yourself some practice tips while you're at it. They're freaking laying it. They're wonderful. Yeah. We're shooting dimes with them. I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. But check them out on their social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can also go to their website. And uh, yeah. 
That's about it, right? Yeah. Check them out, mostly on Facebook. Mostly on Facebook. They're mostly on Facebook, but they do have an Instagram. Also, it's at VeteranIP on Instagram. Um, Just look up Veteran. I don't know what they are on Facebook. If you type in Veteran Innovative Products, products, you'll find them. Yeah, yeah. And then their website's really nice, too. So Yeah, absolutely. They they got a lot going on over at VIP, man. Yeah, go check them out. Give them a try. I think you won't be disappointed. World's smartest redneck. Absolutely. More (laughs) smarter than me. More smarter. (laughs) I don't know if you meant to do that, but that was good. I was going to say, that was good. That was good. Oh, man. If you guys could do us a huge favor. Yeah, where can they find us, buddy? Oh, hey. Where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Go Wild, Twitter Sphere, anywhere podcasts are found. Soon to be a website if we get our butts oh, in motion. And uh, go give us a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Just hit the five-star. Yeah. Hit it, bro. Send us a screenshot. We'll send you some stickers. Yeah. I got stickers a bunch of stickers. sweet. They are sweet. They're super sweet. You know what else is sweet? The VIP Broadhead. <laughs> VIP Broadhead is super sweet. It is. I can't wait to send it towards something, you yeah. know? Squirrel hunting. I don't care what it is. <laughs> you know, groundhog. Yeah. I'll shoot a groundhog with one of these. I want to see what this can do, man. I was breaking it down yesterday, comparing it to a couple old broadheads I used to shoot. and The destruction. Oh, <laughs> man. It just, it it's going to be good, kid. I like it. It's going to be good. So. All right. Well, until next week. The distraction is real. The distraction is real. <laughs>